0: The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show.
1: On Relevant Radio. The growing fears that Lebanon could be drawn into the Gaza conflict. Since the war began in October, tension has been rising in southern Lebanon, where the Israeli military and Hezbollah have exchanged fire. Israeli warplanes struck a target near the border town of Hula on Tuesday. The Israeli military also said it hit a Hezbollah anti-tank missile launcher near Kafar
2: Khila. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, a lot going on internationally. I'll bring you up to speed on it all in just a quick second, just a quick programming note for you. we got a great show today. You're going to love this. Right after the chaplet, we are going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And I'm holding in my hand here a field manual for spiritual combat. It's called the Libra Cristo Method. And we're going to talk about ways you can spiritually protect yourself. I think Satan's more aggressive than ever today, don't you? I really do. I see him wreaking havoc on families and on relationships. We see war and rumors of wars. We see them on a societal level as well. So we'll talk about the reality of evil, and the best way to protect yourself from it. That'll come up after the chaplet. And if you have somebody struggling with addiction, a little bit later in the broadcast, Father Charlie Becker will be stopping by. There's a brand-new Catholics in Recovery program out I just discovered, and I want to help you. you know, during this chaplain, I hear so many intentions from people who are suffering from addiction. Always looking for a solution, right? Some way, somehow to get your loved one help and to set them free. Uh, Be a great conversation a little bit later. If you're struggling with addiction, please join us. If you have risen above it, I'd love to hear your story too. We'll get into all that and much more later. But boy, there's a lot going on in the Middle East. And I ask you to pray. I was driving into the studio today and I turned on my radio and then I said, you know, I'm going to turn it off. I'm not encouraging you to do that. Please do not do that while I'm talking to you, okay? (laughs) Stay with me. I decided to spend that time in prayer, right? I said, I am going to pray. And that's exactly what I did. And my intention was for all that's now unfolding in the world, tensions in the Middle East, they're getting worse. Uh, There's this ongoing war between Israel Israel and Hamas. And and, uh, Israel's under a lot of pressure. I mean, a lot of people want them to dial back. Uh, on this war. Uh, it's not getting better. South Africa actually, believe it or not, is accusing Israel of genocide. It's just so amazing how many lives have been lost by this. I was thinking about this. You know, group of uh, Hamas terrorists, they cross the border, they kidnap, they rape, they massacre, they they take lives. It sparks a war. And what happens as a result of that? Uh, 50% of the Gaza Strip is just rubble, right? Just absolute rubble. People are living uh, in in pockets where there's there's actually famine, they say right now, and of course there's protests all over the world. A lot of other people lost their lives as a result of this. Thousands of people have lost their lives as as a result of it. And now we're seeing tensions begin to to heat up. South Africa. One final note on them, very quickly. Um, they're so serious about accusing Israel of genocide that they're taking it before the World Court. They're going to take it to the the, ha- the Hague and and. Uh, um, we'll see what happens. Um, Hamas, of course, they're backed by Iran. Let's let's call it what it is, right? It's not the Palestinian people. My heart goes out to the Palestinians. Oh my gosh, does my, my heart go out? So I can't imagine what they're going through and the loss of life and the suffering. But Hamas is a terrorist group. It's an evil group, and it's backed by Iran as are the Houthi rebels in Yemen who are fighting and are firing missiles at, uh, at, at, at at freighters in the Red Sea. Those are people just trying to make a living, right? And, and you, you got missiles being fired? you lose your life because of your job? Now Iran is starting to get into the act, uh, you know, not just through its proxies. So uh, my, um, my producer, Patrick, who is on phones, has told me that, uh, and you can talk to him when you dial in, that South Africa just removed their Jewish cricket captain for their under nineteen team. How interesting is that? It's it's you know we're seeing this all over. Um, there's a lot going on. Let me give you a quick summary here uh, of of what's happening. There's been a lot of reporting. I want to talk to you about what's happening in Iraq. I want to tell you what's going on in Pakistan. I want to tell you what China is now saying about all this. So We got a lot to get to, but let me give you a kind of an overview right here.
0: What started with an unprecedented terror attack on October the seventh is quickly spilling out beyond the borders of Israel and Gaza. Drawing in Israel's traditional ally, the United States, on the one side, and on the other, Hamas backer Iran. Recent days have seen dozens of attacks throughout the region. In Yemen, Iran-backed Houthi rebels are continuing their campaign to disrupt international shipping lanes. That despite dozens of airstrikes from the United States, and others targeting Houthi military installations. In Iraq and Syria, Tehran attacked several sites, including one it claims was being used as an Israeli spy headquarters. Lebanon has also seen several Israeli airstrikes, which the Israel Defense Force says were targeting Hamas leaders in Hezbollah.
1: Welcome to Davos. Retreat
0: as world leaders gather in Davos for the World Economic Forum, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan warned the world was on a path to an escalation of hostilities in the Middle East.
2: Yeah, and that's why I'm praying. And that's why I'm asking you to do the same thing. I, I always think about 1917, the Bolshevik Revolution took place. I think about what happened with World War I. I think about how the Virgin came to warn the human race. And, of course, the Second World War could have been avoided, but it didn't. And uh, I think we are at a time where we're seeing all the chess pieces being moved into position right now. You know, um, We've got the Houthi rebels who are uh, in Yemen who are firing missiles at uh, freighters, as I said, in the Red Sea. Uh, Iran is starting to get into the act through its proxies. They've launched missiles against Syria. Um, You've got Israel that has uh, intelligence gathering stations. They claim that Iran rejected and now Pakistan against uh, what they claim was a terrorist group. Here's some more from ABC News.
3: The U.S. has launched another strike against Houthi fighters in Yemen. The Pentagon says the airstrike destroyed missiles that were posing a threat to ships in the Red Sea. The strike came just hours after the Pentagon said a Houthi drone attacked a U.S. cargo ship. Houthi fighters in recent weeks have attacked dozens of commercial ships in the Red Sea. The busy shipping route sees about 15% of all global trade. The Houthis are heavily supported by Iran and claim their strikes are in retaliation for Israel's war in Gaza. Meanwhile, another troubling development overnight. Neighboring Pakistan and Iran have now attacked militants on each other's soil. Pakistan's military carried out strikes inside Iran, saying they targeted terrorist hideouts. Seven people were reportedly killed, including women and children. It comes after Iran carried out a similar strike inside Pakistan the day before.
2: I mean, there's so much going on, right? So many different nations <laughs> involved. You know, the attack on Syria is supposed to be vengeance on a major terrorist act, as well as the killing of two senior Iranian commanders, uh, which Iran blamed on Israel. Pakistan, as you just heard, wasn't happy. Why? Because some of their citizens, including a couple of children, were killed by Iranian missiles. So they retaliated yesterday, ended up killing more children, more innocent Analysis say that there's, uh, you know, little risk that the two are going to go to war. But the U.S. we're launching more airstrikes against these Houthi rebels in Yemen. The same time, they, you know, hit missiles that were uh, about ready to be launched at a merchant vessel in the Red Sea. But the costs have soared because of this conflict uh, and what the Houthis are doing. Shipping companies are now avoiding the Suez Canal and the Red Sea. And I keep telling you, it's about a three thousand mile run around Africa and uh, they got to, that's if you want to get to Europe it's the way you got to go so choice companies have raised their rates guess who pays for this you do it all gets passed down to the consumer so we're just going to see greater cost China well let me throw this out at you as well too um here's something else I'm really concerned about and and I probably even shouldn't say this but I remember I was down in South America one time I was with um a mystic. Her name was Maria Esperanza, and she is now a servant of God. And, you know, at the time, you know, China really wasn't a, a world player like it is today. Um, but she had said to me, and she was very prescient, she had Great gifts of prophecy, talked about the collapse of the world trade towers, talked about the rise of strange new viruses and plagues. At a time when I thought, this lady's crazy, this stuff's not going to happen. Just like when I was in Africa and the Virgin Mary came to the kids talking about a genocide. I didn't even want to report on I thought that's not going to happen, right? This is, And true to these prophecies, they all came true. You know, one of the things Maria Esperanza said, she warned about China. She warned about the rise of China and what that would mean on the world scene. And, and look, this is not the Chinese people. We're talking about a totalitarian dictatorship that's over there, a militant power. But she said that our lady was the only solution, that we had to turn to the mother of God. Sounds very similar to what happened in Fatima, too, right? Pick up your rosaries, pray them every night with Father Rocky, pray the chaplet with me in about forty minutes here. You know, China's warned the US. You know what they said to us? They're not afraid of us. They said, don't escalate those tensions in the Red Sea. Uh, Apparently, um, China brokered a deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran last spring, and as part of the deal, Iran agreed to stop arming the Houthis, but Iran apparently doesn't keep its deals. They've continued anyway, and China, according to some analysts, now has to try and keep some semblance of peace there because it's heavily dependent on that particular sea room. route. Um, Maggie, who was it that just said, uh, talked about how the U.S. does not understand the complexity of what's over there?
4: Yeah, we had a cl- we have a clip here from Mike Pompeo, Mike Pompeo. former um, CIA director um, under Trump, and he he's um, commenting on Fox News uh, that this administration is highly underestimating the conflict in the Middle East.
2: Too many powers. Mm they fundamentally misunderstand this threat. Whether it's the Biden administration's efforts to restrain Israel when they need to destroy Hamas or the administration's effort to pinprick Iran when they're threatening the lives of Americans, 125 plus attacks on American interests in the Middle East. This is unacceptable, we can't let this happen, and I'm praying for those two Navy SEALs, but this is precisely the kind of thing that happens when America isn't strong and doesn't deter our adversaries. We'll see what happens leading up to the elections, because I think, uh, world leaders may act a little bit differently if we have a change in administration. So this might be the window that they're looking at. That's why I think we need to pray all the more in this window, right? That nothing gets out of control, nothing nothing es- escalates. Yeah, you know, one other just side note, a little spiritual note, uh, Cardinal uh, uh, Pierre Baptista Pizzaballa, he's the Latin Patriarch uh, of Jerusalem. He met with the Pope this week to talk about the situation uh, that Christians in Gaza are facing. And uh, there is just for, just so you could picture this, there's a little less fighting in the north of the Gaza Strip. And he said, uh, there's a territory there where only, where the only Catholic parish is, right? And he says that they have nothing, right? No housing, no power, no water. He says it's a situation of extreme poverty and that there are no institutions present. And on top of that, he says it's not even easy for the Christians to be in a situation of great division where everyone's expected to take sides. So let's not forget our brothers and sisters and the church that is over there. We'll certainly pray for them as well. As a, uh, as a Knight of the Holy Sepulcher, I know a lot of knights, I mean, this is part of the mission, we have to defend Christianity and uphold it. Support those who are really suffering. If you can do anything you can to help your your brothers and sisters in this part of the world, do it. If you can do it financially, great. If not, please, spiritually, do whatever you can. One final story. Dr. Paul Kenger will be stopping by as well. I want to talk about censorship, if I could, for just a second. I'll play some audio for you. This came across my radar recently. And, uh, Joel, if you're listening, I want to thank you. One of our uh, board members and a friend actually sent me a, a story. And um, it gave me pause because, you know, I, I could talk to you about government censorship, right? You probably have heard about this as well. I, maybe I'll share this first. I'll, let me share with you one other quick side note here. It, when you purchase something at a store, right, and you use your credit card, your debit card, you're expected to purchase, you know, you, whatever you make at that store goes between the store and the bank, right? And that's a store and the credit card company. You don't expect the bank to tell the federal government about what you're buying, right? Congressman Jim Jordan, Who's a you know straight hour? He's a flamethrower. Um, he revealed that he has documents showing that Key Bank was telling the federal government how to search for ordinary Americans' bank records to find purchases with certain keywords. You know what some of the keywords were? Check this out: Bible. <laughs> I thought about my daughter who's always buying Bibles and Divine Mercy diaries. Uh, small firearms. You want to buy a handgun, a gun? Guess what? Government knows. You made a purchase of Cabela's or Dick's sporting goods. Yeah. Probably. You know, you're on you're on their list. The feds were also searching through uh Zell payments. Zell or Zelly? It's Zelly, right? Zelle Zelly payments. Uh Zell? Zell. Through Zell payments. I never know how to say that word. Um and they were looking, Maggie, Maggie said to me when she took a guess at it, Trump, of course, you know, Trump's gonna be on the list. You know, or MAGA. Right. So Jordan asked the man who used to run the office responsible for this to be, appear before the committee. I would not want to be him because you know how how fierce Jim Jordan can be in this. But you know what? This is not communist Russia. Right. This is not <laughs> the time of the Cold War. This is not China. You know, you shouldn't worry about the Department of Justice. Right. The, the FBI rounding up pro-lifers. You shouldn't have to worry about your purchases going to the government. That, that's not what this country is all about. Should give everybody pause, and you know. Okay, so this comes out about the government. Jordan's going to be addressing, and we'll talk. I'm sure much more about it in days ahead. Um, th- there, I don't know if you heard about the rookie quarterback, a guy named uh, C.J. Stroud from the Houston, Texas. He gave an interview with NBC Sports after his team defeated the Cleveland Browns. I, I want to run with you what he said. Just listen to what he, he had to say. Check this out.
5: First,
1: foremost,
2: I just want to give all glory and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been, but the love that I've got. I've really just been doing it for Houston, man. People back home, I'm blessed enough to be in the position I am and blessed enough to be playing at a high level right now. And uh, we got to just keep it going, but I'm super blessed.
4: So many of your teammates contributed in this victory. How are you able to find so many targets?
2: Uh, just the hard work we put in that practice. So anyway, it goes on, but the key was at the very beginning of that particular clip where he says, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I am so blessed. I, I love when I hear athletes do that. Why am I sharing that with you? Because the M- NBC posted it on social media and say, oh, Drew, that's great, right? Well, listen to what, how they posted it. A little creative editing here. Check this out.
4: CJ, your first playoff game in your first NFL season and a record-setting performance for you. What does this moment mean?
2: I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as
5: I've been, but the love that I've got. I've really just been doing it for Houston, man. People back home, I'm blessed enough being be in the position I am and blessed enough to be playing at a high level right now. And uh, we got to just keep it
2: going, but I'm super blessed. So, Maggie, did you pick that up?
4: They cut out the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? It's it's not surprising. It's not surprising. I,
2: I just, I can't imagine. This is what the guy said. I, and, and, you know, in, in deference to, I don't know whether, I don't know what channels I was watching, football during the playoffs or before that, I did hear other uh, players come up and say, hey, I w- we want to thank the Lord, and they give credit, and I love that. But to go and to take the word Jesus Christ out, that is unbelievable. Where did it go? Mainstream media is not trying to hide anymore their uh, disdain for, for your faith. You know, they're not trying to to... Be clever anymore about the fact that they uh they just uh, they don't want to hear the word Jesus Christ, right? They don't want to hear it. Uh, Dr. Paul Kanger is gonna be coming by. Do you wanna play that now, Maggie? Is what you wanna do or you wanna wait?
4: Yeah, we've we've yeah, go uh, ahead. if you wanna set up um, the, the caucus.
2: Yeah, go ahead, why don't you play this? And I really think this is time now
6: for everybody, our country to come together. We wanna to come together. Uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing that's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important, and I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, well, yeah, I think they both speaks. actually did very well. I really I, do. I think they both did very well. So it's now off to New Hampshire, a great place. We won it last time, and uh, we won it both times, and uh, we love it. The people are great. But you know the truth is, the people in our country are great. They're all great. It's, uh, we love Iowa, but they're all great. They only want to see one thing. They want our country to come back. I just want to thank you all. This is a very special night, and this is the first because the big night is going to be in November when we take back our country, and truly, we do make our country great again. Thank you very much, everybody. Great honor. Thank you very much.
2: I I often laugh when I hear him talk. I mean, some people could really impersonate him, but his speech patterns. You can see why people are like,
4: what? He's so unique and he's so sharp. But he's
2: pro-life, right? Clearly, we can talk. We'll talk about that tomorrow because he has watered down his position a little bit. But, um, you know, God has always been central. I mean, there's some things there that um, I know are resonating with a majority of Americans. People braved brutal colds in in Iowa. Uh, Monday night, they had the Republican caucus in Iowa. Turned out, as predicted, uh, Trump took 51% of the vote. DeSantis came in second. Haley came in third. Um, DeSantis edged out Haley just by a couple of percentage points. It wasn't a whole lot. But um, that happened, even though Trump and Haley both spent very little time in the old Hawkeye state. DeSantis traveled to every single one of the 99 counties and the two other candidates uh, of course, Ramaswamy and, and Hutchison, uh, they did poorly. Ramaswamy, as you know, and so did Hutchison. They, they both bailed out. But uh, now, uh, analysts are now saying that uh, uh, Trump's selection as a Republican Party nominee, it's inevitable. So let's talk about it, right? Let's talk about what's coming. Will it be a Trump Biden matchup? We all pretty much know it's going to be, unless something you know pretty radical happens. Real Clear Politics poll uh, average. The uh, real clear politics poll average, I should say, kind of clumped that together. Uh, Currently shows Trump with a a lead over Biden, 1.6, you know, uh, percentage points over him. I I saw other numbers and other polls that had it much bigger, but, um, that's not much Uh, that could change quickly. Uh, Trump is facing several court appearances over federal indictments as well as civil trials that will take him off the campaign trail. And one judge wouldn't even let him change the date of his trial after his mother-in-law died. So um, there's a great hatred for Donald Trump in the country. I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious. And also, also pretty clear and also the media is pretty biased. Um, I, I noticed, when he had this landslide win in Iowa, uh, the groups like MSNBC wouldn't even carry a speech. And they said, oh, we're not going to, you know, it's not our policy to go ahead and allow, you know, falsehoods or lies to be promulgated or something to that effect. And um, there's just a real enmity, a real hatred uh, towards that particular man. So get ready for it. There's going to be more and you're going to see it. And look, that doesn't mean the Republicans are much better. I mean, they often point out Joe Biden's uh, age and, so many of his failed policies. But here to talk about it, uh, and you're more than welcome to join me too, 888 is Dr. Paul Kengor. I'm always grateful for his time. Written numerous books, and you can check him out at the American Spectator. And the website for that is spectator.org. His latest book, by the way, is The Worst of Indignities, The Catholic Church on Slavery. Really a good read, and he's working on one right now on The Stigmata. Can't wait for that to come out. Hey, doctor, good afternoon. Welcome back.
7: Yeah, hey, thanks, Drew. And, and if you don't mind, I'd love to comment on C.J. Stroud. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I'd love to hear <laughs> so, it. You know, I, I was watching that game, and and the, the Texans absolutely just blew out the Browns. I, I, it was like maybe 45-14 or something like, something like that. I, and the Browns had the number one defense in football. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett, those guys, that didn't even get close to Stroud. And then at the, the end of the game, Stroud paused and and thanked Jesus Christ. In fact, I he did that in the game before as well. And on both occasions, I, I listened carefully and then and then I paused the screen, and I called my family into the room to hear his testimony. Wow. Right? I, th- I thought I thought it was that moving. And in fact, um, our Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph, who who um, came in for an injured Kenny Pickett a few weeks ago, um, had his first big game, and he did the same thing. And he paused, and I said, "I, because I, I, I know people who know Mason Rudolph, and I said, he's, he's going to thank Jesus, watch. And he did, and he did. It's, And it's so wonderful to see these athletes in these moments of victory and glory like that. Just, just you know, stopping the reporter and saying, "Well, I'd first like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ," yeah. and and for Stroud to do that, and I've seen Stroud get very choked up when he does it, and for NBC to edit it that way is just sickening. It it and and I hope Stroud sees it. I I, I hope he sees what they did, and and it just shows what what I don't even know what to call them sleazy um I, i'll even say evil I, I i think it's evil to sit there in a studio and say <laughs> how can we you know, excise out the words jesus in here and then and then you got to kind of because you know how this works right editing oh, yeah. video oh yeah you gotta kind of you gotta kind of polish it up and try to make the transition smooth it's like it's almost like like um artificial and you're you're creating something that Doesn't even exist. And I'll say, well, we're just like an ellipsis. We're just taking that part. No, that is devious. That is devious. And and I don't care what their reason is for it. Uh, I'll say they need to answer someday to God, to Jesus, for actions like that. And maybe people think that I'm being over the top, but I find that um, such an awful thing to do to somebody with their Christian testimony to cut it out like that. It, it,
2: it's just yeah. egregious, and it obviously makes me really angry. So, so what, why do you think they would do that? I mean, it, I played the full clip, as you heard, and it was just, you know, he made those comments. He went on to talk about the game. People really want to hear about the game and his thoughts and answer the question. It really had to drive somebody crazy to go in there and take yeah. the name of Jesus out. You talk about premeditation. There was yeah. a lot of effort and time that went into that. I would have that's, let it just roll. Right. That would, have,
7: that would have taken a while to do that. They, whoever did that is anti-Christ i'll say it yep. that you, that is anti-christ and and i i think you said it was nbc i believe right yep. Yep. that did it and then uh and then you had mentioned with the iowa caucus and msnbc and these some of these other outlets yeah. wouldn't even broadcast donald trump's remarks and and for whatever reason they come up with and yeah you know, so they they censor they manipulate yep. um you know they they edit they cancel and it's it's just it's really unconscionable and especially if you're doing it to somebody with somebody's face messing around with somebody's you know literal testimony and message that way i i just i
2: just find it awful you know i get so frustrated by the media because when i was trained to be a journalist um, I remember so many different professors talking about how you are the watchdog of the government. In fact, media today is radically different than when, uh, you know, I, you and I were in school because, you know, none of this happy talk or p- punditry, it was, it was all about reporting the news and objectively doing so. They didn't want you as a reporter to disclose your political affiliation, right? Mm-hmm. Today we have camps, right? You take a look at the MSNBC and CNN camp, you take a look at the Fox camp, um, the, the when you look at the left it's almost a propaganda arm of oh, yeah. Of, of, yeah. The, of the left and they just they, they present lies they package lies and they continue to present them as the they're true i mean they gaslight america and there are some people who will never see anything else but one or two of those particular agencies, and they believe everything they've seen. I, I think it hurt. You know, you talk about them. You know, the threat to democracy. I think those news agencies are a threat to democracy.
7: Yeah, and, and what you see there, I mean, that is truly with with both cases, with uh, with what they did with the C.J. Shroud clip and the way they edited it, excised it, and and then with not showing Trump at all. Yep. I mean, that is the secular left yeah, media, yep. and that and they they you know, they are clearly anti-God or at least anti-Christ. And in, in no way can they think that uh, that, that certainly their football-viewing audience is going to be offended by that, yeah, right? right. I, I mean, what, you right. know, what group is going to be offended by that? And C.J. Stroud is also black. He's African-American. Yeah. African-Americans are, are probably the most religious demographic in America. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not going to be bothered by that. Uh, my Pittsburgh Steelers coach Mike Tomlin, who um, all the liberals and the sports media alike, and I, and and not only because he's a great coach, but I think because he's the most winning um, African American coach ever, and and yeah, that that's an added reason why they like him. But Tomlin wears a cross
2: Yeah, the I, I, love it. I love it.
7: Yeah, I love it, it all the time outside of his shirt and every time i see that i am like yeah tom they can't take that away can they they can't uh, airbrush that cross can right. they uh, but 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 i'll tell you they probably would if they could
6: yeah.
2: well, right doctor hold the thought i had to take a short break hey if you want to join us my guest today dr paul kangor feel free to sound off the numbers triple eight nine one four nine one four nine you can get in right now our conversation will continue with your calls dr Kengor, and more your news: The Drew Mariani show on relevant radio. Your news now.: Hey, today we'd like to thank Vincent, who is listening in California for donating his 1971 Chevy El Camino. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com/car. Now it's relevantradio.com/car.
4: This is Trump's first electoral win since losing the 2020 general election to Democrat Joe Biden. For Trump, the 2024 campaign is one that's been full of much more infrastructure than he had in his first campaign here in Iowa in 2016. This win, the Trump campaign hopes, will give him momentum building into the states that follow, like New Hampshire, Nevada and South Carolina.
2: The Drew Drew Mariotti Show on relevant radio. Hey, thanks for joining us. Taking a look at the world of politics. The Iowa caucuses behind us. New Hampshire's around the corner, and uh, you're more than welcome to join us too. The number's triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Just a quick snapshot of things that are unfolding um, on the Democratic side. President Biden's ratings have been declining, uh, especially in his head-to-head matchups with Trump. Uh, Trump is, 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 you know, the winner in those. But uh, his polls continue to worsen, and particularly among young voters and uh, even black voters. Uh, so Biden's got a lot of things going against in the Middle East. He's got third-party candidates. He's got uh, the economy. Uh, Trump has seen an increase in vote share when, he, uh, you know, when you look at this nationally. And he's leading in swing states like Arizona and Michigan. And uh, it seems to be the inevitable Republican lead, and Biden seems to be the inevitable Democratically, However, Robert Kennedy Jr., nobody talks about him. Have you seen anything on television about this guy? He's running independent. I just saw a stat before the broadcast here that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. He's getting support in recent polls. There was a Quinnipiac University survey that was done, and they said that he received 22% in a hypothetical three-way race against Biden and Trump. Biden at 39%, Trump at 36%. So Kennedy appears to be pulling more support from Trump than Biden. So lots going on. We'll see how it all shakes out. I've invited Dr. Paul Kingor to join me to break it down. We'll take a few of your calls, your comments, your insights as well. I was just on the American Spectator where the doctor has written a a great piece as well on the uh, story that we were just talking about. And doctor, it's good to have you back. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks, Drew. So I didn't realize you wrote a piece. Maggie said you did, so I was—I did a quick search for that, and not you <laughs> unpack everything for everyone, I didn't know that y'all everyone Yeah, fill it, well, it in. wasn't
7: about C.J. Stroud, but I—but it, but it's interesting the how NFL. it connects to that, right? Yeah, yeah I, I did a piece um, last weekend called "The NFL Greedy, Woke, and Stupid," and <laughs> and and I and I noted that among the examples of how woke the NFL has become. In fact, you know, I think of this now how you know, there's, there's NBC censoring and removing the words Jesus Christ from the mouth of C.J. Stroud. But, you know, the NFL, the, the offices in Manhattan, they are they're very liberal. And, you know, they, they the, the stuff that they shove down our throats. Yeah. I mean, every June when when, by the way, the NFL, you know, football pun here is inactive. Right. They don't do anything in June. Yeah. They do nothing in June. The draft is in April. Training camp isn't until later in the summer. They do nothing in June. They could remain completely silent, but what do they do? They celebrate Pride Month in June. And they launched a football is gay ad, right? And it's actually football is gay, they call it. And, And as I say in the article, you know, a note here to progressives, uh, you know, football can't be homosexual, <laughs> no, right? <laughs> right? A sport right. cannot be homosexual. Now, I know progressives think that everyone in America is gay, all right? But a football can't be, all right? I mean, these people could use a good lesson in what we used to call I the know. birds and the bees. No so, you know, they have all these different woke campaigns. And I think what also really bothers me about them, too, is, is just how how truly greedy the NFL has become. And I called attention to it last weekend because, you know, as a lot of football fans know, the weather was brutal at, uh, at certain games. The Miami Dolphins game against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City probably should not have been played. That weather was dangerous, right? It was like minus 20 degrees. I, I mean, people can die in that weather. Well, several people right? went to the
2: hospital as a result of it. Not players. I'm talking about fans. They, they had yeah, frostbite yeah. and hypothermia and a lot of other issues.
7: Yeah, and and that, and that and that's no surprise. And and in fact, what the NFL was doing with that game, they were broadcasting. Oh, wow, geez, NBC again. They were broadcasting it on a channel called Peacock, which had this this subscriber only thing. So they weren't about to go and cancel this game and mess up their their giant contract with Peacock, right? And then the next day on on Sunday morning, it was the Steelers against the Buffalo Bills. And that game would have been played in a blizzard. Now, I love football in the snow, okay? But but this would have been so dangerous. And the only reason that that game got canceled was Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, issued a, a state travel ban in that area so people wouldn't get killed driving to and from the game. And then you add to this, the NFL now has a 17-game season. Drew, when you and I were younger, it was 14 yeah, games at one point, right? And then 16th. So, this 17 game season, and they now let in 14 teams out of 32 in the league. Almost half the league gets into the playoffs. So, I noted in my article that the first Steelers Super Bowl um, was Super Bowl IX in 1975. That, That Super Bowl started, that Super Bowl was on January 12, 1975. This year, the playoffs began on January 13th. And they won't. And the Super Bowl doesn't come until mid-February. The guys are getting injured. The season is too long. Why do they do this? Money, 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 money. They can't get enough of it. Just like they can't get enough ad revenue and commercial revenue. And now they're they're even talking about going to an eighteen-game schedule of, of of all things. So it's really um, it's it's really absurd.
2: And yeah, it's interesting. Maggie and I were talking before the program. She was sharing, sharing with me. It's, Maggie, what, can you open your mic again? Was it a university or college? You talk about wokeism. It's it's not only in the NFL. It's in our military. Uh, military recruitment right now is really, really low right now. I think uh, the Air Force, yeah. Navy, Army, all well below their, their quotas. I think the Marines might be the only ones that have met their quotas. But Maggie was telling me about schools, too, how woke it has become. To so Talk about the furry that um, oh we share what you just shared.
4: Have you seen this, Dr. Paul? Um, I don't know. There are articles floating around the internet. I was reading it on the New York post and it was about an Oklahoma representative who has uh, proposed a bill because apparently they have a huge problem with furries in their public schools in Oklahoma. And so mm-hmm. he has proposed that, um, animal control be called to escort out furries from public schools.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and the furries too, uh, uh, Dr. Ann Hendershot from Franciscan university. Yeah. She's a guest on this show often and she writes for us to the American spectator. She did a piece a few months ago called something like, of course, furries are gay. Um, and, and you can look that up at our website. It's either her or Ellie Garty. If you, if you look it up, you'll see it. Um, and, and I think the furries themselves are supposed to be like um, gay or transgender. I don't know. So they're creating entirely new species of all of, of non-existent species heretofore, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: It, 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 it's just um, the whole world's crazy. It is. The whole country and culture is going barking mad. Yeah, let's let's do this. Let's grab a few phone calls uh, for you too. If you want to join us, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We'll go to David in Eureka, California. Hi, David.
5: Uh, hello, Drew. Uh, what I wanted to say is, uh, I think what, and uh, let me. It'll be under a minute. Let me uh, say this. What rubs people wrong is when it seems as if, and I don't think Stroud is doing this, as if he said, "Because of Jesus, I won this game." That's not what he's saying. And I wish people could understand that a little better, or even the football players, you know, instead of kneeling in the end zone and that kind of thing, Jesus wanted me to win this or make a touchdown. It's because, an example with the quarterback Stroud, because of Jesus as a young man, he learned to live by the rules of Jesus, which helped him with discipline, which helped him in the low times and helped him continue on whatever he thought he would be good at, and in Stroud's case, it happened to be football. Yeah, that's I, what really Stroud is saying.
2: No, I agree with you, and I also Not that think he
5: help them win the game.
2: I think a lot of the players also say they give glory to God for the talent that they have. I mean, all that we have comes right, from it, so. Only because
5: they had the discipline, yeah,
2: they,
7: to learn well. And and, and, all, and also, too, in fact, Mason Rudolph said this for the Steelers. He said, you know, I've been through some really dark times. It's his sixth year in the league, and everybody was beating him up, calling him, you know, said he couldn't play and everything else. So they give thanks to God for helping with that. And also, those guys who kneel at the end of the game, so this is a very telling moment. So you, you'll see 20 or 30 guys from both teams together. Now, one of those two teams has lost, Right. They're all kneeling together, a lot of them, giving thanks to God that they could play the game and, two, that, that they survived the game that they just played, right? I because, you, I mean, you can get some brutal injuries in 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 football and especially with an 18 game schedule of yeah, all things or 17 game schedule uh and so a lot of them are given giving thanks to god for the talent what they have their perseverance and uh you know that they live to play another day and thanking god that they got through that injury and they might even be in that case they often are they're praying for their um you know their their comrades on the on the gridiron um some of whom got hurt during the game and praying uh, that those guys will be okay. So it's not always, I I think a lot of um, simplistic people in the secular world say, uh, they they assume that the player is saying, oh, Jesus won this game for me. What about the other team?
5: And
2: I I think their prayers are actually usually more sophisticated than that. I don't hear that very often. Hey, my guest today is Dr. Paul Kangor. Uh, David, thank you for your call. Gary and Fresno, they've been waiting forever. I'll get you on. When we come back, I need to take a short break though, okay? I'll take a pause here, come back, we'll take a few more telephone calls, and our conversation will continue. Of course, the chapel of Divine Mercy is about 15 minutes away, so tell someone else as well. We'll be right back. All the issues, all the topics, one place. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. This hour is supported by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Join the largest Catholic-oriented credit union and receive $200 when you add a direct deposit. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com slash join. That's notre dame fcu dot com slash join.
0: He Taking has care a microphone business, and he knows how to way. use it.
2: The Drew Mariani Take Show business, on Relevant Radio. Taking care of business, working yeah, well, thanks for being here with us. We're about ten minutes away. We will pray the chaplet coming up so if you have a special need uh, need some extra prayer power we're here for you if you're tuning in i've invited dr paul kangor to stop by you can check out his great writing at the american spectator at spectator.org lots of great contributors that are there as well so check out his writing we're talking about all things right now from really woke uh woke and wokeism i guess uh football and politics and we'll take a few of your calls for him as well so uh doc let's go right to the phones gary's been waiting a long time to get in gary good afternoon thanks for listening to us there in fresno thank
1: you drew good to talk with you again thanks i'm uh considering uh trump and, and and voting for him but he's changed his stance on abortion and moderated uh, with exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. Now, uh, abortion has been a regular topic on Relevant Radio, and Mm -hmm. we've considered uh, a lot of the moral issues. If you're a serious Catholic, uh, how can can we approach voting for Trump? I haven't heard any uh, bioethics on this topic.
2: Sure. It's a great question. Gary, we're certainly going to unpack that for you. That's going to be a big, big theme in the days ahead. And doctor, let me lay out what happened with Trump as Gary brings us up and we can talk about the moral, um, mm-hmm. ramification of this. Trump, uh, clearly I would argue is one of the most pro-life presidents we, we've ever had. He positioned himself as that. He claimed he was the most pro-life president. He was instrumental as we know in the Supreme court, um, overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, the people that he put on that bench, um, uh, were critical in in that ultimate decision. Um, In recent times, he has criticized uh, Florida. They had a six-week abortion ban. He called it a terrible uh, decision. Uh, He has now refused to uh, endorse national restrictions on abortion. Uh, He's blamed the Republican loss in the 2022 midterm elections for their the underperformance for the pro-life position. He was on Meet the the Press too, and I remember hearing him expressing his willingness to work with Democrats to pass a national, uh, you know, abortion legislation if he's reelected. I think the guy at heart is pro-life, but he, like Nikki Haley and others, they're saying, you know, are we going to win? We want to win the war, but we got to win some battles first, and herein lies the rub. Um, you got two pro-death candidates, Gary. Uh, you've got to evaluate where they stand on all the issues, and if they're your two choices, you've got a couple options. Not to vote for a third party. You know, you could uh, vote also to minimize, uh, the, or to vote for the candidate that will mitigate the the greatest damage who is the least pro-death out of all that. And we'll get into more of the, the moral theology of that coming up. But your, your thoughts on this too, Doctor, because I'm very interested in how this is playing out. The Republicans got their butts kicked in 2022. Life was championed as a main theme. I thought, oh, it's going to be the economy. The Dems are crazy for running on that platform. But it seemed to resonate. How do you see it resonating in the generals? And let's also talk about the moral aspect of this. Well, yeah, I think Trump uh, Trump understands that lesson perfectly clear, right? And from
7: 2022, I think Nikki Haley does as well. And uh, look, I, I would tell Gary though, as if, if he wants to vote pro life, I mean, Donald Trump is—you you can't get a better bet than that. I—I I, I mean, as I said many times on the show, in 2016, I couldn't imagine that Donald Trump would become a pro life president, but he ended up being the best pro life president we ever had. Yeah. So. Uh, I I mean, the guy has a clear, um, strong, staunch record on on the issue. So uh, he's he's as safe of a bet as you can get on the pro-life issue in 2024. And as you said, Drew, especially compared to – to, to Joe Biden. Yeah. I, I mean, other's yeah, just like I mean, it's just a no brainer. So you could you could yeah. pick, you could pick two or three examples of Trump recently yeah. seeming maybe a bit more conciliatory. It may be a bit more squishy. Right. Not totally clear. Not exactly where you would want him to be. But, you know, but, you know, compared to compared to Joe Biden, he's like Mother yeah. Teresa on, on the on the yeah. pro-life okay. issue.
2: Yeah. So, Gary, we'll certainly unpack that in greater detail for you, but I I hope that helps. I hope that gives you some perspective on it. You know.
1: Well, I I I just wonder about the ethics of uh, doing an evil to accomplish a good.
2: Yeah. No, I I I see where you're coming from. We've addressed this issue in the past. My dilemma with the Republican Party, Maggie and I had this conversation before uh, the show began. You know, do you ever? You know, do you change your position and water it down in order to to advance the cause? Um, I, I would say my, this is my personal position um, that no, um, you know, you don't compromise your positions. You know, there's no, several candidates that have come out, Marco Rubio, a Doctor, you probably heard uh, Senator Rand Paul. Uh, a lot of people come out talking about having to be life for uh, totally pro-life, and I think you have to be. Um, I, I don't think right. I would ever compromise. Uh, on my position as a candidate. Um, but when it comes well, down to the elections, though, and, and, and here is the other thing. Like I said, you can write in third party, but the church did not say you cannot vote for, let's say, Donald Trump, uh, even though he mm-hmm. holds this particular position. Because you can, it, inevitably, it's going to be two people that are going to win. It's not going to be a third party candidate. So what do you do with your vote? Do you, do you throw it away, as a lot of people would argue, or do you try to mitigate the damage that will be done by allow, by taking your vote off the table and allowing... Uh, you know the the scales that held in favor of a more pro-death candidate. Well,
7: I would say this to Gary: uh, at least in the primary, uh, he should vote for, for Ron DeSantis yep. if that's the case, yep. because yeah, you, know, you just can't get stronger than DeSantis on this, and yeah, you know, he's very very bold on it. Um, I'm looking right now at the Real Clear Politics averages for 2024, and in a general election matchup. The only one that Biden leads slightly is DeSantis. So he he leads DeSantis by 0. .4. He trails Trump by 1.6, yep. and he trails Haley by 0. 0.4. And and I got a note here. Uh, you know, Biden has Biden's catching up a little bit lately with um, Trump. At one point was up by two to three, so he's now up by 1.6. That's not a big difference. But but uh, Nikki Haley has been leading Biden by four to five points. And and right now she's at forty one point seven and Biden's at forty one point three. So in, in the matchup between Haley and Biden, Biden hasn't come up much, but Haley's really come down. Yeah. So she you know she's in kind of a low ebb right now. Maybe it's because of what happened in Iowa, but I thought she did OK in Iowa. So yeah. Iowa was trump 51 desantis 21 and haley 19. and they actually split delegates right so trump got 20 delegates desantis got nine haley got eight so it's not like a winner takes all primary in in iowa so i think she came out of that not not too bad but but overall uh it it looks like biden's suddenly catching her because Um, a lot of people, you know, Haley doesn't energize the the Republican base. Yeah, I know, um, uh,
2: like Trump does. I want to put a quick disclaimer out here too: is you know, we're not endorsing any particular candidate. You know, use mm-hmm. your your prudential judgment and uh, you know, vote for who you think is ultimately the best candidate. Always look at it through the prism of uh, of of your faith. I think that's critical. Um, I want to take a quick call before we run out of time. Uh, Yolanda is in Austin, Texas. Yolanda, you're on the air with Doctor. Um, Dr. Paul Kengor, but hang on one second. I can't get this. Could you take care of that for me, Maggie? Thank you very much. Uh, Rhode Island is the one for us to go to next. Sorry about that. Uh, Louise, good afternoon.
3: Hi, good afternoon. Um, I have a quick comment. I would like to know how we can consider Trump to be a pro-life candidate when he speaks publicly about assassinating people. He makes fun of crippled people. He makes fun of people who are grieving for um, for spouses who have passed. He talks about throwing people in jail. He constantly insults everyone. His behavior right. is so unchristlike. Yeah. Well, you,
2: you don't have to and- vote for him, Louise. No, nobody's saying you have to vote for him. But,
3: but no, but, yeah. no, but that's my question. How can we consider him our candidate or a pro-life candidate? How can someone who claims to be pro-life?
2: Well, I only have a minute, so I'm going to let Doctor Kangor respond as well. Bottom line is you don't. If you don't like Donald Trump, you certainly don't have to vote for him. Vote third party or, or vote for for someone else. Uh, Dr. Kengar, I'm let you respond to that as well.
7: Well, I understand her point, uh, but, of course, we're talking very specifically about the abortion issue, right? So we're talking specifically about abortion. I know we only have a, about a minute left. I would give a heads up to people, though, on this, uh, on the national election. You've got New Hampshire coming up, okay? And, and that's probably where Nikki Haley is going to do better than in any other state or primary. And she's trailing Trump there 46 to 33, so if she's going to rebound it'll be in new hampshire and south carolina that's a major disappointment for her that's her home state she was governor of south carolina yep. and trump's set to trounce her yep. in south carolina so new hampshire and south carolina coming up yep. um people keep their eyes on that that's gonna those are gonna be two really big contests.
2: Well, we'll be talking much more about it in the months ahead above all Pray. Pray that God gives us good leaders. Let's pray for the conversion of heart for not just uh, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, for all who are running for office. My thanks to Dr. Paul Kengor. The chaplain is straight ahead.